Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. The podcast where Gabe and I go into the 1980s year by year and learn about what pop cultural events happened. The year, 1987, red M&Ms were back in the marketplace after being banned for 11 years. In 1976, red dye number two, a a food coloring that was used in everything from ice cream to makeup, was pulled from the marketplace after Soviet scientists claimed that there was a potential link between the dye and cancer. Computer programmer Jung... (laughs) Computer programmer... John McAfee created one of his first antivirus programs. Prozac makes its debut in the United States. The sitcom Mary the Children debuted on Fox. And United States President Ronald Reagan delivered his famous speech at the Berlin Wall in West Berlin, imploring the leader of the Soviet Union, Gorbachev, to tear down this wall. Reagan smash. <laughs> I never knew about this Red M&M thing. That was interesting to learn about. Yeah, they uh they, there's a lot of contention around all those food dyes as you probably know better now in a country that is more conservative and safer. Like look at look at your fruit loops versus our fruit loops here. We have no fruit loops. <laughs> right, but like in Europe, I mean, Europe does. There's European fruit loops. And they look very different. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, Gabe. I was just looking real quick. I was like, is Red Dye number two still banned? I think it is, but mostly it was because of the reaction. They were like, we, they decided to use other things. Ah, okay. But like, there's no way, like, look at look at Flamin' Hot Cheetos. There's no way that that's a natural substance or that that's good for you. By the way, we'll save this for the something now, something new, something later. There's a Flaming Hot movie. <laughs> no, but you know what? <laughs> Again, we'll talk about it in the next episode. I'll watch. I'll oh, make no. you watch the trailer. Um, Perfect. It. Well, anyway, I, I'm not, I won't. I won't. I won't. Uh, I won't ruin it. Um, I'll just make. Do you a know? Uh, note for myself. Do you know that 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 Cheeto dust has a specific name? I I have heard this. I don't remember it though. It's Cheetle, I think. Is it? Is it Don Cheetle? I. What? Yeah, is he? Is he the owner? <laughs> um. But that's so specific. They actually, it's gotten to the point where that's such an integral part of the, of the snack that they like manage that. Right, because like the powder is supposed to stick to your finger, so that then yeah. you have yeah, yeah. I, I remember reading about that. They actually want that. So if you change, if you they come out with a new one, they got to make sure that the Cheetos just right. It's insane. Yeah, because I've seen episodes where people have tried to um, make their own homemade Cheetos, uh, Cheetos, mm-hmm. and the big factor is how how much of it stays in your hand and stains your fingers so that be able to <laughs> is uh, it real <laughs> yeah births we have uh miles teller uh you would know him okay. as uh goose's son rooster rooster i am a fan of his uh for many things that dude is, a, is actually a, a, a very very good actor but um, I saw a movie a couple years back called um, Whiplash, and okay. he is f- 
just phenomenal in that movie, dude. He was also in the remake of Footloose. Yep. He was he was in oh he was in the Unfortunate Fantastics Four remake. He was. He was. Um and I think that yeah, and then the last thing was uh was uh Maverick. But he's a he's a very good actor. He's a very good actor. Yeah, I've seen a lot of accolades for him. Yeah, if you want to watch a good intense film, Whiplash, dude. Whiplash with him and uh JK Simmons. Holy cow, man. Incredible film. Uh then we have Elliot Page. Elliot Page, as you know, uh formerly Ellen Page. I got hip onto this actor with the movie Juno. I think everybody got into um his work when Juno came out. That was an exceptional film. And then I remember watching Whip It, uh rollerblading or roller skating movie, which was also very, very good. And then recently it was uh The Umbrella Academy. Also fantastic job in the Umbrella Academy. I, I like I like uh, his work. Then we have, uh, are you familiar with Vance Joy? Mm-mm. Australian singer? No? Okay. Very, mm, very no. good. Very good. Uh, he was famous for the song Riptide. Um, you know, we do have... We have the technology. Yep, we can rebuild it. Yeah, I know this. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's Van's Joy. That was from his first album. I I was I got I really liked that song, but not that album that much. His second album, um, Nation of Two, really good, really good. Um, born 1987, and then we have another musical artist, Kendrick Lamar. Familiar with his work? Uh, yes. I mean, not like overly, but he's 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 uh he's broken through. He's He's big enough for me, yeah, to, yeah, for no. me to know and hear about. Yeah, I, I'm a um uh, I'm a huge fan of, of that's of um of the album um uh Good Kid. Uh the song DNA gets me every time. That's a fantastic song. One thing I didn't know about him, no, I did know actually, uh was the his fourth album, he released that song Humble, and it became the first non-classical uh, non-jazz music to get the Pulitzer Prize for music. So first rapper, I think, to get a a Pulitzer Prize for... Uh, and that was like maybe just 2018, barely. Yeah, I think I remember that happening when that long ago. Yeah. I, uh, I see his name come up a lot when people who know more than I do talk about like who's the greatest, greatest like yeah, yeah. lyricist. Lyricist, yeah. So, yep. um, so even I am familiar. Yeah. Good stuff, though. Uh, people who died. Now, this person I don't, I know of, but I don't, I've, I've never followed their, I didn't follow their career, but I, but he was one of those people that everyone talked about. Fred Astaire. Um, name. American dancer, actor, singer, choreographer, and presenter. He is widely regarded as the greatest popular music dancer of all time. Uh, he's received n- numerous accolades. He was in stage, film, and television from like 1917 to 1981. Starred in more than 10 Broadway and West End musicals, made 31 musical films, four television specials, and numerous recordings. One thing I do remember and I would recommend people watching is 
he had a few routines, but there was a routine where he was dancing on the walls in a movie called Royal Wedding, where like it's one of those things where the room is spinning, and he like he you know he he I mean, his his dancing dude like, um he was in he was a uh, like just his sense of rhythm and and like the creativity that he had with his dancing I think is is what kept him uh, so relevant. But um, but yeah, he was he he you know it's just a very just very astonishing the way that they do that scene and it just looks flawless the way he, uh, he's able to get onto the wall and dance and into the floor, fantastic, fantastic. But I think uh, American Film Institute named um, Astaire a one of the great, fifth greatest male star of classic Hollywood cinema. Wow, just a a virtuoso dancer, Gabe. He um, died of pneumonia. At the age of 88, which is not a bad age. Not a bad age. No. Um, another person, again, like, I know the name, but I was never uh, aware of, like, just, you know, exactly what they what made them so great, right? Uh, Buddy Rich. Mm. Jazz drummer, songwriter, conductor, and band leader. Uh, considered one of the most influential drummers of all time. He literally performed until the year of his death like he he was performing up until 1987 uh he he was on tour in new york when he was hospitalized for suffering um paralysis and then it turned out he had had a stroke he uh started to recover but then uh, they found a brain tumor um and you know uh got the chemo but like a month later um he uh, he died from uh, cardiac failure due to the treatment from yeah the 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 work that he got. Um, and when I say like I don't know who he I don't know who he is personally as far as like I don't I never listened to his music, but he he like I think it was like uh, Roger Taylor from Queen, basically was like this this is the person who he considered the greatest drummer. And you're like the guy from Queen thinks this guy's the greatest drummer. Uh, that's pretty cool. I think um, Travis Barker, I think from Blink One Eighty Two, uh, and um, and what's the other band? The Transplants. Uh, also, like they basically, you know, consider him to be one of the greatest drummers. Just a, uh, you know, technique, speed, and uh, precision. Just one of the things that you need as a drummer. Apparently, yeah. he was just. Um, it was the the standard that he had was just you know uh, the best. So he passed on. Moving on to films. So I I am I'm early to say this, but I feel like we are going to to consider um nineteen eighty seven probably when when this when we finish nineteen eighties, I think we're gonna have to do like a top three. And I think nineteen eighty seven is gonna hold like for some of the greatest movie releases that we've had. Yeah. Yeah, given what we've talked about and like how many of those are just like like to this day considered like standout. You know, yeah. like, kind of like must-watch movies. People, it's uh, 87 has been a real good year. People who don't watch movies have seen half of the movies just from 1987. Yeah. I think this might be the year I've seen the most, bro. <laughs> <laughs> know, speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of which. <laughs> um, so last last week, last episode, we talked about Arnold and Predator. Uh, that same year, The Running Man comes out. <laughs> I mean... Uh, I just never stopped running. He didn't. Directed by Paul Michael Glazer, 
and starring Arnold, Maria Conchita Alonso, Richard Dawson, and uh, 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 I guess a second movie for Jesse Ventura. This, so the, I, I know that the movie is based on a short story by Stephen King. Yeah. I've read the short story. Nothing to do with the movie. They literally just took the name and yeah. like the idea of it because, <laughs> yes, like the idea is a man is in a in a show where he's he's being hunted and he has to survive for as long as he can. Except in the original, he proof that he's still alive is he has to send in a, a VHS tape recording of himself every day to prove that he's alive while they're trying to hunt him down. Obviously not what happened in uh, Running no. Man the movie. Now look, stand alone, Running, Running Man the movie is fantastic. It's a, it's a solid Arnold action film. Um, uh, yeah, Mr. King, we'd like to license the Running Man. <laughs> oh, oh, awesome. So you, would you like a copy to read? <laughs> We well, I think the, we're good. We get the gist of it. We get the gist of guy, it. <laughs> guy running. Yeah, we're, we got it. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, but they, but they stuck to the story where like you're sentenced to death and this is your chance of of, of like yeah. of getting a, a, a pardon, basically. Yeah. $27 million budget surprised me for Running Man. But there that was, sounds, yeah. there was a lot of, I imagine, a lot of sets to be built and a lot of like special effects. Yeah. Um, it, 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 a lot of Arnold going on. A lot of Arnold, and at this point, I mean, Arnold must have been expensive. Yeah, it 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 uh, at twenty seven million dollar budget. It got thirty eight, but cult classic status. I know. I'm surprised too. Yeah, I'm surprised. I too. thought I would have thought it would have been more successful. I feel like maybe Predator kind of like set a, yeah. a tone. Uh, fun fact though, in 2021, a new movie adaptation of the novel was announced in development by Paramount Pictures with Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright, who is the gentleman responsible for Baby Driver, um, The Shaun of the Dead, uh, uh, World's End, uh, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim fame. So that would be kind of interesting. So yeah, Running Man, fantastic. Uh, have you seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Oh, it's been a long time. I don't know if I've seen it in its entirety, but I'm familiar. Back to John Hughes, uh, written, produced, and directed by John Hughes, and starring Steve Martin, John Candy. This is probably my favorite John Hughes film. Like As much as I love The Breakfast Club, John Candy's performance in this film is phenomenal. So it tells the story of a high-strung marketing executive, played by Steve Martin, and a good-hearted but annoying shower curtain ring salesman. Shower curtain ring salesman. That, that is, was a that is job. oddly specific. They become travel companions when their flights are diverted and share a three-day odyssey of misadventures trying to get to Chicago in time for Thanksgiving. Um, Who hasn't been there? Right? Now, nothing particularly great about the budget. $15 million made 50 Got its money back and then some. I think this is what John Hughes does. Uh, this is a cool one, and, and this is the first time I've ever asked you this. Rotten Tomatoes, what approval rating do you think this movie has? Critic or fan? Ah, oh, good question. I did, uh, I think I did. Look at you, Gabe. Look at you. Putting me on the spot here. Uh, this, guy, it, this guy, Tomatoes. Yeah, this guy and his Tomatoes. Uh, hold an approval based on reviews. Okay, so critical, right? Yeah. Um, what do I think it got? I mean, I think it's funny. 
well, I don't know how much weight that holds. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say like 90? 92. Okay. That's a pretty fucking good score. Yeah, that's certified fresh. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really fun film. It's a really fun film. Um, this is the first time you see John Candy kind of doing a serious role. Uh, like not, not, not even like in a comedy, like it's just like a, a, you know, like it's a, you know, it's a John Hughes movie. So it's, it's got comedic elements, but it's not a comedy. It's an, it's a, it's a bit of a drama. His performance is fantastic. It is. And Steve Martin. I mean, it's, it's a really, really great film. So many good jokes. (laughs) Um, Ooh, Ooh, this is a good one. The He-Man movie from 1980s, Masters of the Universe. Have you ever seen that one? I have not. Okay, starring Dolph Lundgren and Frank Langella and Courtney Cox. <laughs> you sound less excited. Well, I, uh, the so Langella chose to portray Skeletor because his son's love of the character, by the way. That's how they got him. Well, that's my um, favorite. That's my favorite reason when actors are just like, I don't know what this was, but my kid. Yes. Like some Marvel kid. one had that recently. I, believe I forget so. which Marvel one. But I remember him saying, like, I don't know, my kid said, oh, you got to do that, Dad. And I was like, all right. <laughs> I will, I will um, not bury the lead. And it was a critical and commercial failure, grossing $17 million worldwide against a budget of $22 million. Now regarded as a cult classic, it is a wild film, okay? Because we do start with He-Man and we do start with, with um, Grayskull. And then they... They get transported to the normal world, ours. So it's oh, so it's actually technically multiverse. Oh no, that's like the old Mario movie. Oh yeah, except backwards. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, but like they go into Koopa the, world. The moving between worlds. Yes. Though. Don't the don't the don't the Goombas come to the real world though? And that's like the problem. Uh, I think that's well. I think that's what happens. Like the princess escapes to the real world. They come and grab her, and then they go and rescue her. Into the Koopa okay. world. Okay. Here, there's this key that they're trying to find that looks surprisingly like a guitar, 80s guitar. Mm. That is, yeah. Um, and you know the um, the masters of the universe obviously don't know what this real world is, so they bumble through it. You know, like you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, it's like not a Thor, good Thor, just like Thor. It's not a good Another. movie. Another. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is not a good movie. I will tell you this right now, Gabe. Okay? I mean, not. funny to see Dolph Lundgren as, you know. And he was built like, you know, nobody's business. Mm-hmm. So he he is he is hum- He-Man-esque in this film. He is He-Man-esque. Um, I think that the, he was talking about his regimen, and he said in order to, like, the way he kept his figure was, like, he would not eat and just drink Diet Coke and work out. And he's Just, like, it's the same same as what I do. He's like, it wasn't the best for me, but I look good. <laughs> <laughs> he could probably tell you the molecular composition of his diet coke. He probably could. Uh, Born in East LA, Gabe. Have you seen that one? No. Have you heard of it? No. Oh well, written and directed by I, Cheech. I Barry. was born in some cardinal direction of San Bernardino. That's that's uh, west of East LA. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but like, but like, but what part of San Bernardino? I couldn't tell you. Sam. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. That's, that's East LA. That's not East of LA. It's born in East LA. Well, because East LA is a city. There's no West LA. Right, right, right. <laughs> There's no West LA. Right, right, right. Right, right, right. 
you're you're not you're not taking the joke here. I know. I, I I I I am I, game. Now we're the, now we're trying to critically analyze it. I, I let me just say this. I am picking up what you're putting down, Gabe. <laughs> I am pitching what you. No, I'm I'm catching what you're pitching, Gabe. I am smelling what you're stepping on, Gabe. Well, that's that's a, less. That's less flattering. That's a new one I got. Uh, <laughs> written and directed by Cheech Marin in his film directorial debut. He also stars in the film. Uh, it co-stars Paul Rodriguez because in the eighties, Paul Rodriguez was a very, very famous uh, Latino uh, comedian. The film is based on his song of the same name, released in a nineteen ninety-five single from Cheech and Chong. Yeah, they had a song and they turned the song into a movie. The film focuses okay. the film focuses on Rudy Robles, a Mexican American from East Los Angeles who is mistaken for an illegal alien and deported. And the movie's about him trying to cross the border illegally back into the United States under legal status. Um, so this one, this one's gonna. This is. I love how this connects, right? So, Born in East LA marked uh, uh, Marin's first solo film without the involvement of his comedy partner Tommy Chung, at the insistence of executive Frank Price. Frank Price, Gabe, is the individual who greenlit. Howard the Duck. Oh no! Yes. Don't, don't don't let that man do anything. He resigned after <laughs> after the the just devastating loss that Howard the Duck was. He resigned. He got ducked. He real did. hard. He did. He resigned from uh, from Universal that he was working for after making that film. But he was the producer for this. It was a, it was, ultimately it was a financial success. Born in East LA, and bolstered Marin's reputation in the Latino community, uh, as well as giving him a couple of awards. Now a little bit about Frank Price. This man was on fire, and Howard the Duck almost took him down. So this guy, Green later or or produced out of Africa, Tootsie, Gandhi. Okay. Gandhi and the Karate Kid. He was responsible so for... So all of those we've talked about. Yes. And then Howard Duck came. Worst Ooh. flops in film history. He resigned from Universal. But he, he took a couple scripts that he had, he, had, he had not produced. And he took some risks with them. One of them was Back to the Future. Okay. Greenlit that under Columbia. Uh, Boys in the Hood. Ghostbusters. As of 1990, he was responsible for turning out nine of the top ten grossing films in Colombia's history. <laughs> All right, so good, just a good redemption arc. It's amazing how you could you could be that guy, but also be the guy that gets remembered for having greenlit Howard the Duck. <laughs> That's like that. However many good things you do, people will always remember that one time you you messed up. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's talking about every other one of these films. They're like, oh, but remember he did Howard the Duck though. Um, but Born in East LA, there's a fun film. It, like, again, as a as a Latino, as an immigrant, you know, like it it plays on the tropes of like crossing the border illegally, you know, and and things like that. And and again, a worst case scenario in a world we currently live in a world where a person could get deported just for looking Latino and not having like their identification on them or something like that. You know, it's ridiculous. 
Have you heard of the movie Roxanne? Yes. Have you seen it? No. All right. Directed by Fred Shapizzi and starring Steve Martin and Daryl Hannah. Steve Martin, another film for him. It's a modern retelling of the play Cyrano de Bergerac. De Bergerac? Oh, Cyrano de Bergerac, yeah. De Bergerac, yeah. So it's a retelling adapted by Steve Martin. And it's about a small town fire chief who is very intelligent, charismatic, very witty, very athletic. But he happens to have an abnormally large nose. and The uh, worst possible fate. The worst. And it can't be surgically altered because he is allergic to anesthesia. So he lives. Damn. So he uses his wit and charm to be able to, you know, uh, battle anybody who makes fun of his nose. Does he have a cool mask? No, no, just a big nose. <laughs> just a big nose. Um, I feel like I feel like Sarah wore a mask to cover his. Did he? I thought he did. It's been a long time since I've done because I actually have done the original story. Of oh course. wow! Look at you, Gabe. Well, I feel like yeah, that that's uh, that actually that, fits. that, that plays that plays yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I remember it was it was a small town. This new person shows up, Daryl Hannah. She falls for the idiot but good-looking uh, fireman, and he doesn't know what to do. So like Steve Martin, you know, does the talking for her, you know, and so on. But yeah, uh, very good. Falls film. in love with his words. Very, yeah, very good film. Very good film. Oh, next up, another classic. Now, I'm I'm not into these types of films, but even I have to admit this is a well-done film. Uh, Dirty Dancing. Have you seen? No. No. Okay. Uh, written by Eleanor Bork- Berkstein at, uh, about this actually happened to her, um, her own childhood. Uh, directed by Emil Ard- Ardolino. Starring Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey, it tells the story of Frances, uh, or Baby, a young woman who falls in love with a dance instructor, Johnny Castle. What a name. Mm. At a vacation (laughs) resort. Uh, Fun fact, this was the first film to sell more than a million copies uh, on VHS. Oh, this is that. This is like Wine Mom. Yeah, type of thing. This is like this is like this is why Fifty Shades of Grey sold a bunch of copies. Yes, yes. Uh, it earned. I get it. It earned positive reviews from critics, who particularly praised the performances of Grey and Swayze. Its soundtrack, created by uh, Jenny Leonard, generated two multi-platinum albums and multiple singles. One, I've had the time of my life. I think we all know that one. <laughs> we do. Won the Academy Award for Best Original Song, the Golden Globe Award for Best Original Song, and the Grammy Award for Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocals. Like, powerhouse. $4.5 million budget. That surprised me. That's impressive. Okay. I mean, how many, how many tight pairs of pants do you need? Not many, I suppose. How much do you think this movie made, Gabe? Oh, uh... I mean, it was big. It was it was a big success. One hundred and twenty million. Mm, a little short. Two hundred and forty-five plus. Jesus. And what? what? Four point five million dollar. Where did it fall in the year? Do we know that? Oh, let's find out. Because like that's like got to be like we've had some big ones, but like that's got to be like up there. Like we've had only a few that were over the two two hundred and some. Damn. For me, it's a return on investment, dude. Oh yeah, that's that's even more insane. 
All right. Top 10 highest grossing films of 1987. Uh, this can't be right. <laughs> I don't believe you. So wait, so it did better globally than it did? Uh... <laughs> That's funny. Worldwide uh, box office numbers. It was, it was number three. And let me guess, number one was Three Men and a Baby, which we're not even going to talk about. No. <laughs> it wasn't? That's, that's number five. Or was it Beverly Hills Cop 2? No, that's number two. It's Fatal Attraction? That is the next one we're going to talk about. Oh, uh, see. I was, was worried about saying stuff because I was like, I can't remember saying it. Yeah, I don't know. Spoilers. Well, before we talk about that, though. Which, we'll, get that, we'll get that in post. Yeah, yeah. Before we talk about that, though, because, you know, we're a professional. <laughs> we're a professional. Note to the editor, the outsourced editor. Uh, Gabe, did you know that in the history category, we are in the top 20 podcast of Finland? I didn't, but how about that? In the happiest country in the world. I, I found out because somebody reached out to me and was like, hey. And I was like, hello to you too, sir. Thank you for that information. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever call here again. <laughs> Don't ever email here again, Gabe. <laughs> Nobody calls him. Um, too much confrontation for Finland. You can't call people. Yeah. Uh, I think it's part of the GDPR. <laughs> uh, Spaceballs, dude, comes out in 1987. Okay. Co-written and produced and directed by Mel Brooks. It is primarily a parody of the original Star Wars trilogy. But also parodies a couple other sci-fi films. It has some Star Trek, it has some Aliens, it has like 2001, Planet of the Apes. Uh, starring Bill Pullman, John Candy again, and Rick Moranis. Moderate success, $40 million on a $22 million budget. I think it's... Okay. I, I still think this is one of, the, one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. It's, it's, it is funny. Um, because it's a parody, right? Uh, I, I just finished reading uh, Mel Brooks's book, and he has a chapter for this one. He said that as a courtesy, whenever he's parroting, he always sends the script to the person that's responsible, right? So he sent his script to George Lucas. And he's like, we're going to make the movie anyway, but you should know this is what we're doing <laughs> type of thing. And apparently George Lucas sent, like, you know, talked to him, and he was like, I love it. It's, it's hilarious. He said, I will say, though, do not make merchandise because we will sue you because it'll like, basically he said that one we can't control because if you made merchandise, it, they would look exactly like, you know, star Wars characters so that it would be a copyright infringement. So he was like, his advice was like, do not make merchandise. Do not make any action hey, figures. Hey man, have fun. <laughs> Don't cross my line. I, I own the merch. So based on that conversation, <laughs> is Mel Brooks went and added that scene of like the star, the space ball is like merchandising. The space ball is, uh, was it the lunch, the lunch box, the toilet yeah, paper? Yeah, yeah. He put that scene in just because of that conversation. <laughs> but he didn't make the merch. Oh, he did not. No, even I think everybody knows not to cross Star Wars merch. <laughs> Jokes are one thing. Yeah. So I thought that was very funny. That is funny. Uh, no, it's uh, again a, a movie that that I highly, highly recommend. I'll talk more about that book uh, in the um, in the next episode. Uh, Fatal Attraction comes out. Did you ever see this movie, Gabe, or just knew about it? I only knew of it. I did it. not know it was number one until just now. I mean, people do love those erotic thrillers. They surely uh, who do. Who doesn't love a good erotic thriller? Directed by Adrian Lin from a screenplay by James Dearden, based 
on a 1980 short film, Diversion, starring Michael Douglas at his peak, by the way. This is peak Michael Douglas. Yeah. And Glenn Close. The film centers on a married man who has a brief but torrid affair with a woman who refuses to allow it to end and becomes obsessed with him. Gabe, you might call it a fatal attraction. Oh, man, I hope they say the name during they the movie. unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, no, I remember watching this film. Yes, it's, you know, it's definitely like a great affair. And then when she like, I think she kills her daughter's bunny and like boils it. Yeah. Like they are not kidding when uh, they say she becomes yeah. obsessed. I wouldn't they're say going, it's I wouldn't say, way off the deep end. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's as must watch, but it, it was as it was a movie that happened. Like if you watched, you know, um, Sliver or like you know, uh, uh, basic instinct. You're you're getting the same thing. That's what you're getting. Although Michael Douglas in that one too. Now that I think about it. <laughs> Typecast. Typecast. Evil Dead Two comes out. Just honorable mention. Fantastic film. Um, did you ever watch Stakeout? Mm-mm. This was um, Richard Dreyfus and Emilio Estevez and Madeline Stowe about cops who are staking out an ex girlfriend's house of a con who they expect him to return and so they can uh so they can uh, arrest him but you know things happen and obviously you fall in love and you know things happen yeah sometimes when you're spying on a chick you just fall in love you know it's a it's a fun film it's a fun film uh mannequin it's a good cast sounds like a good oh cast. no it's a fantastic cast part two they did go they did jump the shark because it was rosie o'donnell in part two. Ooh. yeah uh mannequin comes out not a fan of Mannequin, but I know it was a good film in the in the in 1987. A, a film that I should love but don't. Barfly. Um, it's a, a a screenplay written by Bukowski about him, played by Mickey Rourke. Uh, it was not a good film. Even uh, even Bukowski was like, as much as like Mickey Rourke, he just he kind of overdid it. <laughs> Um, batteries not included comes out. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. I've heard it. I, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Ali- aliens that come to Earth and they fix things. And again, uh, Steven Spielberg, I believe. Uh, Raising Arizona. Are you familiar with that one? Just by name. This is a Coen Brothers production. Um, stars Nicolas Cage, ex-convict, and Holly Hunter, and basically. Uh, they steal a baby and then I think end up keeping it. But Nicolas Cage, a uh, 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 very good Nicolas Cage. And then the last film I want to talk about, I remember watching this and I remember enjoying it so much. It was such a fun flick to watch. Have you ever heard of a movie called Three O'Clock High? Yes. Um, and the poster might re- recall, but it, imagine like... Um, a big uh, clock, right, at the side of a building. And it's it's a giant hand holding, a, like, a teenager as it busts through the clock at 3 o'clock. That was the poster. I remember that poster distinctly. That's dynamic. Yeah, it, it was very cool. But basically what the, what, the, what the story was, it was about this very mild-mannered uh, high schooler who accidentally pisses off the new kid who got – who just came to school – and that kid happens to be a bully, and he happens to look like a like a grown ass man. And basically, 
around around you know 10 in the morning he tells that kid and this is you know the 80s so like the the big guy tells the kid is like three o'clock outside me and you are gonna fight so the entire rest of that 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 kid's school day is thinking about how am i going to get out of this fight with this kid and he tries he tries hiring somebody like he robs like the school um he robs the school the student store to pay somebody to beat up the bully so that he doesn't have to fight him, but the bully beats that guy up, finds <laughs> finds out he paid him, and then he tries to pay him to like to pay him off to like he won't beat him up. It's a hilarious, it's such a great film, if I recall. And at the end of the day, he ends up having to fight him. Uh, I remember I had so much fun watching that film. Three o'clock high, though, I, I do recommend. I just don't remember a lot about it, and I'm pretty sure it, yeah. didn't, it didn't do well in the theaters. Pretty sure actors, you know, but um, fun film, man. Fun film. I, I do recommend that one. Anybody listening who remembers that film, I'd love to hear um, your comments on it. Uh, first appearances. We have Chris Cooper, Matewan. Chris Cooper goes on to, I mean, be an exceptional uh, actor. First time I ever paid attention to him was, um, oh, no. How did I forget this one? The now disgraced... <laughs> Terrible to say that. <laughs> um, American Beauty. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He he played the uh, the dad of the neighbor who like thinks his son is uh, is um, is into Kevin Spacey. Anyway, uh, great Ugh. actor. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's why I was like. Ugh. Anyway, great actor, though, Chris Cooper. Uh, Courtney Cox, Down Twisted, Edie Falco. Sweet Lorraine, Edie Falco, obviously famous for The Sopranos. For me, um, Nurse Jackie. She was phenomenal mm. in Nurse Jackie. Another debut here, Empire of the Sun, Ben Stiller. Stars his career. Uh, Uma Thurman, Kiss Daddy Goodnight. And Elizabeth Hurley in the movie Aria. It's a lot of, a lot of you know, between, between those we just mentioned, right? Then we had David Spade, Alec Baldwin, Jason Bateman, Brad Pitt, Nathan Lane, um, George Clooney, Hidden. Sandra Bullock, Christian Bell. Like, this has been a ridiculous year for, for debuts. Hitting the sweet spot. Right? Where the people that were just starting off are now, like, big. Enormous. Imagine. Oh, that's right. Now that I think about it, you're right. Oh, because we got 88, 89, and 90, huh? Damn, Gabe, we're going to have to make some shit up. <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep this party going, Gabe. Um, yes, thank you for listening. Uh, next episode, as we mentioned, we're going to dedicate it to something old, something new. I think Gabe and I have not talked about everything we've been watching, uh, reading, listening to, or keeping, keeping up with keeping up. And uh, we're going to dedicate an entire episode just to catch up on all that. Remind me, Gabe, I have a fantastic story about, which actually this might, yeah, this will air on the 19th. And the 19th is a, is a day that Fast X 10 comes out in Europe. And uh, I want to tell you a funny anecdote about that on next week's episode. Find us at Pop Culture Hangfire on your Instagram. Thank you for listening. Thank you again for making us the putting us in the top 20 of uh, podcasts in Finland uh, under the category of history. <laughs> we take this honor very seriously. Notoriously historically accurate. Notoriously. <laughs>